Chelsea Fairless, and this is the Every Outfit Podcast, the uh, the bi-coastal edition. I know, I know. We are we are on two coasts right now. We've always done this in person, but today you're in LA, I'm in New York. It's insanity. I know. G- give me the breakdown. What's life like in New York? Oh, it's so fabulous, Lauren. Like it's fully back. Like the vibe is so good. The city is just like bursting with hot people, which as you know, is like something that I've really like missed out living in LA. Hot people in 90 degree weather. There's no Kardashian cosplayers. There's no white girls in off white. It's just like hot, sweaty people everywhere. It's so good. And like people are turning out looks. I just, it's just refreshing. It makes me happy. Is this your way of telling me you and Tad are moving to New York? No, no, I'm definitely not moving to New York. Although one thing I realized on this this trip, which is like, while this city is bursting with hot people, going out in this city is kind of like, you know how when you drive a new car off of a lot, it depreciates in value by like 25% the second that you just drive across the street? That's what like leaving your house is here when it's humid. You know what I mean? Like you, right, right. your makeup looks good. Your clothes look good. Your hair looks good. And by the time you've walked three blocks, it's like you're a full monster. Because we used to live in New York. And when I moved back here, people were like, oh, the winter's got to you, didn't it? And I was like, no, the summer's got to me. Oh, like the winter's got to me. Like I didn't even realize that I had seasonal depression until I moved to LA. Oh, also, Lauren, it is so fucking insane. Outdoor dining is the best thing to happen to this city. But like, I am shocked by what I have seen. We have been eating in parking lots in like literal shacks in Los Angeles. Whereas here, it's like the chicest, craziest, most insane like outdoor restaurants. Restaurants with like outdoor seating with like floors and like plants and stuff. Because like, if you live in LA, you know that even like the nicest restaurants in Beverly Hills or the seniest restaurants in West Hollywood, you're eating on AstroTurf with cheap outdoor furniture. Like no one figured it out. In Los Angeles, no. I remember eating at Mr. Chow in Beverly Hills and you're like just literally on the sidewalk with some heaters if you're lucky. Yeah, I went to a, just a random coffee shop in Brooklyn yesterday and it looked like a Glossier store. It had like pink archways and like I was gagging. It was insane. I'm I'm very jealous. Well, because you're not here, I've had to fraternize with my other friends. I do have them beyond you. And I went to I was invited to a friend of a friend's birthday party. And I only knew the person inviting me. And I was very shocked to see that everyone there was in a couple and not only in a couple was in a straight couple, which I then realized, oh, I've never been in a group setting with like, just six straight couples and I'm the only single person there I don't think you've ever been like in a in a group only with straight people for like two years or since whenever the pandemic started yeah yeah but I I wasn't exactly alone I brought my dog Frosty with me and I will never not go to a social function without this dog I thought I was gonna have to get into like some Miranda Hobbs-esque banter about like I'm single da 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 the full stand-up comedy routine I didn't because everyone just looks at the dog right because when you meet new people 
people invariably, no matter how well that conversation goes, there's a lull in the conversation and you're like, "Uh oh, are we going to like restart with a new topic or do I have to figure out, does one of us have to figure out how to get out of this conversation? And that doesn't happen with a cute dog because there's always a function. Like I was never a smoker. I imagine like that's what smoking does. You could just light a cigarette. It's the same with the dog. You just pet the dog or the dog does something cute. And it's an easy way to get out of a conversation. It's like, oh, I think he has to pee. Got to go outside. Bye. Love this strategy for you. You heard it here first on the Every Outfit podcast. You know, Miranda had a cat. That was the problem. If she had a dog, it could just bring it places. 1000%. Oh, okay. One last thing about New York before we get into it. I had a crazy celebrity spotting. So I'm on the corner of Mercer and Spring, like across from the Mercer Hotel, right? And I see all of these SUVs pulled up and I'm like, oh, like, is it a Kardashian? Like, is it Travis Scott? Like, you just expect it to be that vibe because like someone's staying at the Mercer. And then I started seeing all of these plainclothes police officers and I was like, what the fuck is this? And then I start to hear like cheering, not just cheering, but like clapping and like paparazzi and I literally haven't heard clapping like since that time that I saw Michael Moore at a Madonna concert like right after Fahrenheit 9-11 came out right that was that was a real vibe um and so I was like what who the fuck is this and then I hear people start yelling like Joe Biden and it was literally like Joe Biden went to that cheesy seafood restaurant that's like below the Prada store where Carrie bought burger the shirt oh lure yeah is that wild? I mean, I didn't actually see him. I just saw a bunch of guys in suits. I think I saw that sighting on Dumois. Oh, really? Anyway, shall we get into topics? Let's Pop do it. Events of the past two weeks, because we haven't really had a normal episode in two weeks. No, nor have we really talked to each other in two weeks, which is basically a lifetime for us. Where do we want to start? Like Sex in the City. I guess we don't have that much Sex in the City news this week, although they've done the fittings for the first episode. They've done the table read. And so we confirmed that the all the girls, I mean, minus Samantha, obviously, Sarah Ramirez, Mr. Big, and I think it's, we know that like Stanford Blatch was there, right? Like they posted a photo with him. The Blatch, I mean, the actor Willie Garson, who plays Stanford Blatch. Yeah, on June, on June 9th, it was confirmed that Mario Cantone, Willie Garson, Evan Handler would all be returning I think that same day, Evan Handler took a selfie that he posted on Instagram stories that he was flying to New York. That same day, Kristen posted a behind the scenes photo from a wardrobe fitting where she was showing off uh, the Lily Goldenblatt Judith Lieber cupcake purse that Lily would then put Carrie's cell phone so she couldn't get Big's call. The cursed Judith Lieber purse. Yes, which I wonder if it was just there or this is going to be a central plot point. Yeah. I'm happy that Harry's back, obviously, because he's like the best guy, I think, on the show, right? Yeah, I mean, the conjecture that we can sort of talk about from the photos that we saw is at the very least in this first episode, everyone is seemingly going to be in it, including Chris Knopf. Who knows how many episodes he will be in, but certainly seemingly in the first. Are you ready for Stanford and Anthony's like inevitable gay adoption plotline? Can they just already have a kid? Or maybe they'll make Charlotte be their surrogate. Okay, I mean, that is a Charlotte storyline. Although, whose egg are they using? Because I'm sorry, she's a woman of a certain age. Okay, well, Lily Goldenblatt is like 18 now, though, right? Maybe she's their surrogate. She's like anything for Uncle Stanny and... 
I hope they already have a kid and it's somehow like of one of the things that they just sort of roll over, you know, it's like, uh, she's the same age as, as Charlotte and Harry's second kid. Like if we could just already get to that point where they're yeah. dropping their kids off at school, I'd, I'd be much happier with that. Yeah, me too. What else? I think that's it for Sex in the City, right? Yeah, sorry guys. When we put this in the outline, we had kind of assumed that they would start filming this week and we would get a paparazzi photo we could talk about. But alas, nothing. No, no. Hopefully next week. Did you see Lord's new video? You know I did because I sent it to you and I was like, what in the, my old college roommate uh, joined an MLM that is actually a cult is this music video? I mean, they were definitely going for like a cult vibe. It reminded me of, remember Haiku's Perfect Day, that song that was in Legally Blonde? Mm -hmm. The song kind of reminded me of that, but also if you put it in Ari Aster's Midsummer. Yeah, totally. I mean, visually, it's somewhere between Midsummer and like some sort of like ayahuasca ceremony in Silver Lake or Byron Bay or something. For those who haven't seen it, the video features Lord taking the viewer into her island world where white women in beige dresses dance in tandem. Three couples play chess on the beach and Lord takes a hit from a fennel bong, question mark. Oh, I forgot about that. I think it was mostly, it was interesting to see her in a new kind of look. Like she was wearing a yellow satin bias cut slip skirt type thing in some sort of crop top. It felt very Kardashian, very like Emrata, very Instagram girl. It's like a different look for her. Did you notice yeah. the lyric where she says, I'm prettier than Jesus? I did not. I like the song, but I'm not obsessed with it. Maybe it will grow on me in the same way that Greenlight did. But I feel like she was kind of trying to do her version of that Fifth Dimension song, the like Let the Sunshine In song. Was oh, that right. Because it's like a full different song. And then at the end, it just sort of like digresses into this like euphoric, repetitive sort of section, which in the case of the Lord song was her just repeating the word solar power. There was also a lot of white girl dancing. And as a white girl, it's that kind of dancing where it's all in the shoulders. And she was doing that thing with her fingers where like two fingers are down and like what her hips can't do in rhythm, her like hands are doing. It was... It is kind of giving me the vibes of like a Julia Stiles vibe, like in um, when she dances in 10 Things I Hate About You or in Save the Last Dance. The Last Dance, yeah. <laughs> yeah, either one. <laughs> Can you explain to me this Billie Eilish queer baiting accusation thing? Because I think I'm too het to get it. Well, did you see, did you see the video? I did. And when I saw it, I was like, oh, it reminds me of Beyonce's 7-Eleven video when she, where she's dancing with her backup dancers in the hotel. Except it's styled very differently. Like it looks very much like a Skims campaign. It's a pretty simple concept. I mean, I think this song is cute. I like a video with a simple concept. And I like videos that are just like teenagers having fun, like kind of like the, um, the Smashing Pumpkins 1979 video, you know? Right. Yeah. I don't know, queer baiting. It, people said she was queer baiting because there's a moment in the video where she's like her and some girls are on a bed and she's kind of like looking at them flirtatiously, like they might make out or something. And then she posted a still from the video on her Instagram with the caption, I like girls, which some people interpreted as her coming out, although I don't, that's like not what it was. Yeah, because the sense that I got that people 
I think would have been fine with the video itself, the Instagram caption where she says, I like girls. But then at the same time, she's being paparazzi with her new boyfriend, this actor, Matthew Tyler Vorse, which there's a whole other subset of Billie Eilish fans who are mad at her because she's dating a guy 10 years older than her. And then I guess queer people are mad because it's like, it's Pride Month and we just get really riled up during Pride Month. No, I mean, it's like, sure, it's like kind of queer baiting, but like, who really gives a fuck? Also, like, lezzing out with your friends is part of slumber party culture. That's straight girl slumber party behavior. I, I feel very seen. I, I could see you peering directly to my soul. <laughs> Did you ever make out with like a friend of yours at a slumber party, though? No. Oh, really? <laughs> Obviously you did, but you're gay. <laughs> yeah, but like I was making out with straight people. You know what I mean? It's not like I was like luring them into it. It was like a game of truth or dare or something. I mean, I again, I must be looking at this in, through my, my cis head eyes, but I was <laughs> like, you know, the lyrics are, I know you think you're such an outlaw, but you got no job. You ain't nothing but a lost cause. It's what the music video is called, Lost Cause. If you've watched the Billie Eilish documentary. Yeah, we know who this song's about. Yeah, she's talking about this jackass. And it just seems to me, you know, the type of video and aesthetic you do when you break up with a guy. And it's like, let's talk shit about this guy. And I guess dress in silky pajamas. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I think it's cute. I think people yeah. are like getting too mad about nothing, really. I think the more interesting conversation that I kind of wanted to talk to you about is this idea that when we were adolescent teenagers, kind of the mode a pop star was start out innocent, then kind of shed that innocence by adopting a, for lack of a better phrase, quote unquote, sluttier persona, right? Britney Spears, certainly Christina Aguilera. Very, from Jean very sexist of you. I know. I'm sorry, guys. But I, what I find interesting about this era of pop star is it seems to start out as kind of alternative, emo, whatever, however you want to phrase it. And then for your second album, in a way, almost adopt a more basic persona, a more chuggy persona. I think in the case of Lord, I don't think it's basic just to be happy just because she's not like doing a depressing song. You know what I mean? Like, I know that that's what we think from having like grown up watching like Daria and like Woody Allen movies and stuff. But like, <laughs> I don't think it's as basic as people are saying it is. Although it does kind of remind me of the vibe of a shaving commercial or some sort of women's product. With four blades, you get the ultimate close shave. Do you remember when Jewel tried to have like that sad pop crossover song called Intuition and then it ended up being used in the commercials for like the Intuition Schick Razors? Do you think Elon Musk, when he launches his uh, solar power roof tiles, he's going to use that song? Oh, God. Ugh. What else? Should we talk about Benefer 2.0? Oh, I mean, did, did you just want to quickly, speaking of pop songstresses and their new music videos, did you want to briefly talk about that terrifying Megan the Stallion song? Oh, okay, sure. Yeah. I mean, look, it's, I love her. I, the song is fine. The song's cool. But like, not that video. The Senator character didn't need to be in like every single scene. For those who have not seen it, the concept of the video is a stereotypical Republican senator who, you know, in his off time goes on YouTube and Reddit forums and, and talks shit specifically about Megan the Stallion. And then she pops up everywhere. It's basically Final Destination with ass cheeks, seemingly. Yeah. 
Yeah. And if anyone thinks I'm being rude by saying that, like, truly, the entire video is women twerking in this old white man's face, which what must the casting for that role in that music video been? But one thing, it was nice to see the 101 coffee shop, although a tragic reminder that we can no longer go there. But we can film there, which if that's not L.A. in a nutshell, I don't know what else is. I mean, I was legitimately shocked at the end when they turned the senator's mouth into a vagina. Like it felt it like it looked terrifying. It felt very like human centipede vibes. I was watching the video with my friend Bree and her friend did the makeup for that. And she was like, oh, you got to wait till the end. And as it was like, as the camera was pushing in, I said, is that a butthole? And she goes, no, it's so realistic and graphic that it even shocked me. And I thought I could not be shocked. It was like, oh. <gasps> I didn't know you, yeah. I, I was like, I didn't know you could do that on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? How, how? That's insane, actually. I didn't even really think about that. Is it because the censors are all men and probably have never seen a vagina before? I don't know. It's crazy, but it's like a full porn star vagina. <sighs> yeah, that was dark. Um, shall we get into the Angelina of it all? Oh boy, guys. I, I have to assume that everyone who's listening is a millennial like us. So you'll you'll indulge us in discussion of Angelina Jolie seemingly hooking up with her ex-husband, Johnny Lee Miller. Again, again, again. This has been a thing for a long time. To kick it back to the beginning, they met on the set of Hackers, which is like a seminal mid-90s movie that I need to revisit. I haven't seen it in years. This is a film that I watch at least once a year. It came out in 1995. It's that era in the mid-90s, like the net and Hackers, where we didn't exactly know what the internet was. And so you could do anything with it. But also the style that Angelina Jolie has was so influential for me that I could still to this day never pull off. But like my idea of what was cool in high school was like, I'm going to wear like a surf rash guard with high-waisted jeans and like a white leather jacket. And I think we can both agree that this was kind of like the peak of Angelina Jolie as an actor during like the mid to late 90s where we got Hackers, Foxfire, Gia, and, you know, culminated in Girl Interrupted, of course. In the film Hackers, they are each other's love interest. A very horny film. When you rewatch it, like there are several fantasy sequences. Actually, you know, Gen Z would love this film because the whole bet is they have like a hackathon with each other. And, it, you know, it's the whole 80s thing of like, if I win, we go on a date. And she's like, fine, if I win, we go on a date and you wear a dress. Ha. <laughs> so they get married a year after Hackers comes out. This is kind of my favorite thing about the relationship because like no one came to their wedding. It was just like Angelina's mom and her best friend were witnesses. And Angelina Jolie allegedly wore rubber pants and a white shirt with Johnny Lee's name on it written in her blood, which is like a bit of a red flag in retrospect. Um, there's no photos of this, unfortunately. And then unsurprisingly, they divorced a year later. Yeah, given what we know about her, you know, the most infamous thing about her marriage to Billy Bob Thornton, which were the vial of bloods, the, her writing his name in her blood seems like it probably happened. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So then she got with Billy Bob Thornton, savagely um, ending his engagement to Laura Dern. Then how long did that last? I mean, I think maybe two years. They definitely, the whole thing was that they showed up to the Gone in 60 Seconds premiere, which I think came out in 2000, 2001. And that's when they were making out on the red carpet. And there's like one interview where she's like, or he or she is like, we just fucked in the car. He said it. And then she kind of like giggled. It was actually really gross for something that should have been like hot. 
she adopts Maddox in 2001 and they're divorced pretty quickly afterwards. So around 2002, she's single. 2003, Angelina and Johnny are seen at the Tomb Raider after party. And around that time, she gives an interview that says divorcing him was the stupidest thing she's ever done. A year later, they're paparazzi at Shamrock Social Club, which is a tattoo place in Los Angeles, getting tattoos and making out. This is where she got her Know Your Rights tattoo that's in on her back by the way we're two angelina jolie stands and historians in case anyone's wondering well you kind of like can't not be like if you're obsessed with pop culture right it's just like a really important part of it and then they were later seen grabbing breakfast at the griddle cafe where johnny lee miller was photographed holding maddox but then that summer she starts working on mr and mrs smith where she got together with brad pitt and like during the same time or a little later, Johnny Lee gets married to Michelle Hicks, who was like a, she was an important model in the 90s and early 2000s. She had a very like Prada vibe, but now she's an actress. I didn't know this until I watched an episode of Orange is the New Black. And I think that she was Natasha Leone's stepmom or something. Anyway, they got divorced, setting the stage for the reunion of last week. Angelina is in New York with all of her children and she was photographed leaving his building in Dumbo twice the second time she was with her son Pax I think the most shocking thing is so Johnny Lee Miller is a is a British actor he was in the circle with Jude Law Sadie Frost that whole what was it Primrose Hill crew of the oh, of wow, the 90s like a real pop culture throwback oh yeah baby but he was on the show Sherlock which was on CBS for a hundred million years and I don't know if I was making network money I don't know if I would move to Dumbo so I guess that's the thing that took me the most by surprise. Not that they're hooking up again because this is her like go-to fuck buddy. But I'm like, really? Dumbo? Interesting. Interesting. But because it was Dumbo, like, do you think it was set up? Like there's not paparazzi in Dumbo or maybe they followed her from the city. I don't know. When you see a celebrity photographed and you're like, is that for real? Most times it's called, it's set up. But there are a few celebrities and Angelina Jolie's one of them where they're just following her everywhere. Well, I'm I'm pro this. Like I I want this to happen. Although it does ruin my fantasy of a Jenny Shimizu Angelina Jolie reunion. No, it doesn't. I mean, I don't think she's going to commit to any one person. And why would you like tie it into the reunion of Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez? It's like, yeah, if I had a whole ass career and I've been married and divorced three different times and I have kids, I would just want a consistent dick appointment. Yeah, no, I get that. It seems like practical. Well, good for them. Glad Angelina's getting some dick. Can't wait to see what tattoos they get together, because that seems to be their favorite pastime. Were you excited for the fashion event of the year, maybe the century, which is Ferrari's first ready-to-wear collection? Oh, God. I will. Yeah, I wasn't ready for it. Like, who knew that this was happening or would expect this to happen? I mean, in a nutshell, it's, you know, among the most derivative, uninspired collections I've ever seen. Like, I'm pretty sure that the graduate show at FITM is like better than what this show was. And it's weird because like usually designers that don't have like a overarching vision or like ideas pick like two brands to copy and they kind of like combine those brands into something that feels like familiar and desirable for a certain kind of consumer. But with this show, it was like, let's literally combine 
every brand that Euro trash fuckboy posers like, like Versace menswear or Off-White or Balenciaga Dolce, like what have you. Then there's whispers of like Prada and Max Mara and those kind of like more minimalist Italian brands. It was demented, truly. Ferrari, the company known for fast cars, has decided to to launch their first luxury label. They tapped Rocco Inino, who's a former Dolce & Gabbana and Armani menswear designer, to design the collection. It happened at the Ferrari plant. And I mean, in a way, it, it makes sense because those who like the car, and I imagine people who can't even afford Ferraris, buy the merch. Ferrari already right. has merch, right? They have... Do they? They do. Yeah, they have really nice leather jackets and and such. But I don't know. I thought it was styled impeccably because just imagine for a second how wrong this could have been. And you're like, okay. I mean, the styling is pretty good. You are correct. They do copy everything. I'm sure like someone good styled it. And they were like, you need to figure out how we mix this rack of Balenciaga with this rack of Prada and make it not look fucked. I mean, I thought the the opening look, which was Maria Carla Boscono in a in a very you're right Max Mara fitted Prada. jacket, but then also it looks like the type of workman jacket, like that neon workman jacket that someone who's on the Formula One team changing tires or someone that's on the on the assembly line would wear as well. But I think the standout thing is going to be the accessories. What what like the fake off white belts that they did? I kind of like the fake off white belt. But then wouldn't you just buy like an off-white? I wonder if people will buy it. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if people do. No, the, just... the answer is yes, because people are dumb. People wear off-white shoes that say, this is a shoe. <laughs> well, actually, I think it says shoe in quotation marks. My bigger question is, what happens when it's like you're wearing the Ferrari belt, but you walk out of a Tesla? It's just mixed messaging. I wouldn't be surprised if people wear, wore it, but I also wouldn't be surprised if like this entire collection is going to be like clogging up the like Netta Porter Christmas sale at 80% off. The one cool thing is that alleged, I mean, according to him, 80% of the looks were unisex. I suppose in a way you could say anything is, is unisex. I thought it was interesting that the sizing is going to go from like triple small to triple large. The collection, for those who haven't seen it, it runs the gamut from very structured jackets to, as we said, off-white belts. But then also there is a, a part of the runway show that's more pop art-ish, you know, with the, with the abstracted versions of the Ferrari logo, silk pajamas with the f abstracted Ferrari cars all over it, making up a pattern. I thought the most interesting dress was that this. Was, that was like Balenciaga prints that we've seen for the past four years. Yeah, there was a white dress that had almost laser cut letters I, that abstracted the word Ferrari, like there were the different letters that make up the word Ferrari all over the dress, which is interesting. But you are right. It's like, who's exactly wearing this? It's the Philip Klein consumer. It's the, the off white person. Like that's who's I totally know who's wearing this. I just wonder if they'll want to wear this instead of this sort of brands that I previously mentioned. Well, I, it makes me think of the line that Jeff Goldblum says in Jurassic Park, which is you spend so much time figuring out if you could, you didn't think about if you should. Right. So like what other brands that have no business being in high fashion do you think should get into the game? 3M, baby, the makers of Post-its. <laughs> really? Yeah. They got, they got the color palette set. 
they've got iconic shapes. Mm-hmm. Minimalism, baby. It's so hot right now. They could weave in some sort of functionality into into each outfit. That's that's who I'm going with. See, I personally would like to see Baby Bell, the Gouda cheese manufacturer, oh into the game. Can you imagine a like Paco Rabanne style dress that's just made of tiny cheeses? Or like a rhinestone mini Adair, like a Judith Lieber type situation that's just like a Baby Bell clutch? <laughs> so, dear listener, what you don't know about Chelsea Fairless is she loves a Baby Bell. I do. Dear Sweet Jesus, Baby Bell, please sponsor us. We would do such good spawn. Such good spawn. Like, I have so much Baby Bell material, you can't even imagine. It's Baby Bell cheeses. They have two outfits. First, they have the wrapper, and then they have the wax. So it's like a Hussein Shalayan outfit. It becomes something else. <laughs> Looks like one thing, then it becomes something else. In Baby Bell's couture collection, it will be like those Hussein Shalayan robot dresses, and the, the dress just opens up by itself. The little wax strip just <laughs> peels off. Uh speaking of like strange collabs, did you see the Halston Netflix capsule collection, which was this released alongside the limited series? Because I didn't start getting like Instagram ads for it until literally two days ago. It dropped a week or two ago, or at least the announcement did that the clothing is finally in the shop. So Halston, which is still technically a label, it's it's trying its hardest, paired with Netflix to release a 10-piece collection that was designed by Robert Rodriguez that sort of speaks to the looks that were in the show. I mean, one look, which is the Elsa-printed chiffon caftan, is literally the one that Elsa Peretti, or the character of Elsa Peretti, wears in, in the show. There's the Liza-pleated... I want the Elsa caftan because it's like I could never afford the original on the vintage market. I love the idea of designers selling reproductions of their old designs. Like I, do, I honestly don't know why every brand doesn't do it. But with the Halston stuff, I wonder about the quality because like fabrics construction in the past was so much better than it is now. Like the Lurex pleated caftan could like really go either way based on like fabric and construction. In looking at these looks, I was like, Chelsea has that as a vintage caftan. Chelsea has that as a vintage well, it's caftan. True. I literally have three glittering pre pleated Lurex caftans already. So this isn't something I need to like add to the wardrobe, but it's an intuitive collab. At least it makes sense. Yeah, we should say that this is the Netflix Halston collaboration, which seems to be hosted on the Halston website. Not to be confused with Netflix newly launched merch store, which is not great. Dark, sad place. Oh, but also like about the Halston stuff, it's all available for pre-order, which leads me to believe that they don't have like the utmost confidence about this. Yeah. Who do they think they are? Us? That's like literally what we do when we're like, is it worth manufacturing this shirt or not? Let's find out. Here's a peek behind the curtain. If you wonder why it sometimes takes us weeks to get you stuff, it's because we pre-order because we're like, how many people actually are going to want want this stuff? And then like the things that we think people will want, they never want. And the things that like we're like kind of embarrassed to put out, it's like that's what that's what it is. It's everyone wants to be A24. It's like A24 does such good merchandising and then merch associated with the movies that come out and then just sort of esoteric stuff that sells really well. And no one has the magic sauce that they do because it's not within them. I mean, I don't know how else to explain it. 
Well, speaking of which, I literally smelled all of the A24 candles yesterday because I went to the Joya store, which was fabulous, by the way. Oh. It's more not really like a store. It's more like where they make the candles and then you can smell the candles and and what have. We may be working on something. You'll see. That's not a pre-order. We got to order this bitch. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. How did they smell? Wait, give me the give me the the tea. I mean, I liked the rom com one because it, it like it's the most like the sort of candles that I tend to get, which are like the rose dominant ones. Um, they looked chic. The vibe was fab. That's the problem with this Netflix merch store. Make a fucking Bridgerton candle. Don't give me some faux Marikami shirt. No, totally. It's like they're trying way too hard. And like whoever's like overseeing the people that they're choosing to collaborate in the licensing is like not the correct person. For sure. You want to talk about Bottega Prefall? Sure. I mean, speaking of Halston-y things, there were definitely a lot of Halston-y pieces um, in this collection, which was really varied. There was a lot of normal wearable clothes. There were a lot of stuff that seemed like the more spangly Halston evening wear. Like there was like a green halter dress that like literally looked like Liza's Halston outfit from Liza with a Z. I think the standout piece or, you know, sometimes when I go through these collections, I'm like, okay, what's the piece that every stylist is going to be fighting over? And I think it's those green ostrich feather with a turtleneck. No, that was really, really chic. You know, also, there's a lot of like sculpted leather pieces and green furry pieces that reminded me of Batman Forever, like in a completely (laughs) abstract sense, like not in a literal sense at all, but just to bring it back to Halston and Joel Schumacher. That connection. Yeah, that was a very green, neon green film. What would you give if uh, the designer who designs for Bottega now, Daniel Lee, was like, I was very inspired by Batman Forever. I wish more designers just gave like this i would not be surprised if that was the case he's only 35 i mean it the age lines up and looking at this collection they're really good with color like color is really hard to get right even though it seems like it should be like really easy but i feel like with a lot of bottega pieces like everything feels like an ellsworth kelly painting like it's fab and they really have successfully owned this very specific color of green which they also use in their packaging and their bags boxes shopping bags what have you beautiful packaging yeah i mean also a lot of this clothing it seems whenever i look at it i'm like oh well this is reverse engineered for like a jurgen teller editorial totally totally yeah i It kind of had it all. It had ridiculous pieces. It had like normal, minimal pieces. It had, again, like with the ostrich pants and stuff, like very, very editorial pieces. Oh, and the casting too was good. Like it was funny to see like, or not funny, but like it was fun to see uh, Nena Cherry modeling. Also Melina Matsukas. Like has she modeled for anyone before? I don't think so. Not that I can think of. I'm surprised that she hasn't been forced into like starring in and directing some sort of short film for Gucci. I mean, I would say maybe for Bottega, but they don't have social media anymore. I mean, I don't know. What what do you think about it? It's interesting. So just to go back for those who don't know, in 2018, the sort of British wunderkind designer, Daniel Lee, who is a central St. Wunderkind. Uh, Central St. Martin's educated designer. This is where Alexander McQueen comes from, Stella McCartney, Phoebe Philo. He was brought to the label in 2018. He is behind the much beloved and much copied pouch bag as well as padded heels, which seems to be in every... He brought back square toe shoes, basically. And in January, 
January, he deleted their Instagram. So they seem to be employing a no marketing marketing approach, which the, you know, the head of curing Francois-Henri Pinot, Selma Hayek's husband, by the way. We should refer to him by that, but as Selma Hayek's husband for the rest of this uh, podcast. He owns Bottega and his quote behind this decision was regarding its digital communication strategy. It's not dis- disappearing from social networks. It's merely using them differently which I guess using them differently is like, you bitches do our job. You fucking post and tag us. But like, isn't that the opposite of what they want? Because like Bottega, again, like those shoes, those bags are really popular among like basic influencers and they're still gifting and they're still like participating in social media in that way. And it's like, why? Isn't that like the opposite vibe that you want for the brand? Like if anything, they should just like ban influencers from like taking photos of their stuff. This is a total digression, but did you see that whole Prada was a gallery or gallery, gallery, a bag campaign, which is like, they did the same thing for the, when they re-released the saddlebag, which I really don't understand what they see is the value of like a hundred influencers all posting on the same day, the same fucking bag. Cause all I think is like, okay, you gifted them all this and you're paying them to say this. Like, why not do a slow rollout? Well, it also just makes me not want to buy whatever uh, the bag is like I think it is a really bad investment for a lot of these luxury brands and I think that brands certain brands will suffer irreparable damage because of their social media presence and how how they're I do I really do because social media is basic and cheap everyone is their most basic like lamest self on social media and it shows the world through like a basic prism you know what I mean which is kind of like the opposite of what historically anyway a lot of luxury brands have wanted to be perceived as yeah I mean only time will tell I certainly think that you can have an Instagram and attempt to do something cooler with it I mean I do think theoretically it's a power move I feel like Balenciaga should probably do the same thing Yeah, but it's the equivalent of when, which I don't think happens anymore, but you know, when you used to talk to people and you talk about a TV show and they go, I don't watch TV. It's like, you're not cooler by saying that. I just want to point that out. That's true. Oh, I don't have Instagram. It's like, that doesn't make you better than us. I don't know. I think it kind of does. I actually think it does. I think not having Instagram is going to be like a big thing in the future. I fucking hope not. Do you understand <laughs> what our platform is built on? It's The platform is like ever changing and nebulous. Like, you know what I mean? We can't control like how it evolved. If anything, like the algorithm will just be more and more nightmarish until like... Until it owns us all. I was like, what is it about? What media format? And for some reason, my mind just was imagining Daniel Lee in some like Teletubbies children's morning show and so now I'm just imagining like the Bottega like green colors and like Teletubbies in those colors and he's just sort of in front of everyone talking about the new collection what we need is the Bottega Batman forever forever collab yeah question marks on everything that should be a Met Gala theme not Batman forever but like honestly Joel Schumacher could you imagine like that's the perfect theme for the red carpet they did do superheroes but it was before like a the genre really popped off and b like before the med gala really popped off in terms of fashion and all of that i think they did the superhero show either in 2006 or 2008 which is crazy because it's like the dark knight and iron man come out in 2008 so yeah of of all the met gala themes which are on the more basic side that could be regurgitated one costumes as we always say and two yeah doing an, another superhero show I just sent you the article, but you didn't read it. 
I just heard that Victoria's Secret is finally rebranding. They've finally caved to public pressure to be more inclusive in their marketing, to be less like Maxim male gazy, And so to appease Twitter people, they've hired Megan Rapinoe. Um, who else? Amanda Decadene. Priyanka Chopra. Some skier. Like a trans model. Paloma also to be like their brand ambassadors and stuff so they really like the gang's all there that's all wonderful but that doesn't really change the design like they're not the designers of the new collection well that's what i was thinking it's like okay so you have megan rapinoe but like are you gonna like design something for her that isn't ugly or are you just gonna make her wear rainbow like victoria's secret pink pride merch or something a truly game-changing announcement for Victoria's Secret is if they were like, we've hired Phoebe Philo to be the chief, chief creative officer of Victoria's Secret now. Well, it is big because they're kind of like the last holdouts. And there's so many companies that have come out, specifically um, Savage Fenty, that are literally like the crux of their marketing is we're the anti-Victoria's Secret. We're size inclusive. We're thinking about uh, gender identity. But at the same time, it seems like I couldn't help but think of that JoJo song, Too Little Too Late. Because it's like, you were literally forced into this. You've cast these people just on the sole basis that they make you look like a diverse company. I certainly don't judge any of these people for taking this deal. I'm sure they're making so much money. But I'm just saying like, this is literally the last company to cast Paloma. Literally every brand has done this before you. And it just kind of seems like a really sad last gasp attempt to rebrand in the face of their declining sales, in the face of the president's ties to Jeffrey Epstein, which were like, and that whole like New York Times expose that came out last year about how like fucked up the culture is at the company. Yeah. So this is from their website, introducing the VS Collective. Yeah. They're doing uh they're doing the Weight Watchers thing where they're like, we're not Victoria's secret. We're just VS now. Uh, we are proud to bring together an unparalleled group of trailblazing partners who share a common goal to drive positive change. These extraordinary partners with their unique backgrounds, interests, and passions will collaborate with us to create revolutionary product collections, compelling and inspiring content, new internal associate programs, and rally support for causes vital to women. Here's always my sort of cynical thing, which is these women already have full-time jobs. What do you mean they're going to be creating internal programs? Well, they're doing that same marketing thing that the fashion cafe did, where it's like they're making us believe that this group of women is like running the company. And yes, I'm sure that they have input on creative things and whatever, but I think it is a largely public facing sort of performative thing. Which is so funny because what they have not learned is what the consumer actually wants is authenticity. Like it works for Fenty Savage, not only because that's their front facing marketing, but they walk the walk. They've always been like that. It's sort of hard to reverse the course 40 years in. It's like overnight, are you going to change your e-com photography so it's not just size two, like spray tan models? It's 
they're still not size inclusive. Like they only go up to like a double XL, but that's only in like certain things like sleepwear and stuff. That's not like universal sizing. And of course, if you go, if you go into the store and you're like over a size eight, there's kind of like nothing. Yeah, it would have been more impactful. Like I'm scrolling through the website as we speak and it just, it ranges between J. Crew photography and that's not a knock on J. Crew and like Revolve product photography. What would, what would have been more impactful if they actually meant any of this is if all the photography was like, oh, this looks like a very naturalistic Amanda Decadene-esque photographs with like no Photoshop. You know what would have been impactful? If they had just fucking brought Tyra Banks back at the age and weight that she is now. Like that would be iconic. Just put her back in the app, make something major. Also, they're like, they're not, they're dropping the wings. There's no more angels. No. I know it's like put Paloma in some angel wings. They're not doing the angel wing thing. They're not doing like the like billion dollar bra thing that they do every year around the holidays. This is not to sound too Ben Shapiro-y, but like this is the problem with modern feminism in, in my opinion, which is like, no, no, no. Like being woke and feminist doesn't mean taking out the fun stuff. It's like that new Charlie's Angels film that Elizabeth Banks made, which I never saw because she gave this interview where she was like, oh, we don't do those montage sequences that show them doing different activities because women can do anything guys it's like no that's the fun shit i want to see a (laughs) a goddamn montage sequence i want to see women and trans models and boys in the angel wings like that's far more progressive than like um angel wings are reductive so no one's gonna wear them it's like god damn it you want to see james charles in the angel wings Let's not. <laughs> but no, it's it's true. It's true. It's sad. It's tragic. I refuse to buy into it. Fuck Victoria's Secret. No one buy things from them. Although good on all of the ambassadors for fleecing them for whatever these like multi-million, multi-year deal must be. Get that paycheck. But also it's like, let's be honest. This is five to six months of work and then it disbands and then they pretend like this VS Collective never happened. And then a year and a half from now is a new is a new launch. Oh, but Lauren, we have competition now because the VS Collective is podcasting. They're launching a podcast with these women, telling their stories about how like shopping at Victoria's Secret was traumatic for them uh, during their youth. Honestly, I think the biggest winner is whatever consulting agency, which I'm sad we weren't this consulting agency, all the money they got from Victoria's Secret, or I'm sorry, VS Now, to come up with this plan of just like, you should podcast, you should have a diverse group of women with an X <laughs> to make up this collective of folks with an X. No one called me folks during Pride Month. It it's really agitates me. And by the way, we're we're making fun of the performative aspect that corporations are engaging in. We're not making fun of these things. I'm not making fun of the concept of inclusivity. I think more things should be inclusive, but I think that if you're trying to project inclusivity, you should have a good concept for your ad campaign. Or you should actually mean it. Exactly. You're right. You know, it should be authentic and this is not. So speaking of authenticity, shall we get into the Kardashians? Cue the theme song. Kardashaholics Anonymous. This is a case for the FBI. <laughs> so, Kanye is dating Arena Shake. Arena Shake, who's out of a Victoria's Secret job now, I'm guessing. If this becomes an ongoing segment, are we going to call it We're Far From the Shallow now? What, just because that's what I wrote in the doc? <laughs> I like it. 
They've been packed together. We're, we're far from the shallow. Yeah, for those who don't get the reference, which if you're listening to this podcast, how could you not know that Ar- Irina Shank uh, was the partner of Bradley Cooper and was with him during the, the making of A Star is Born and was his date at the Oscars. And so interesting, w- once that press run was done, they broke up four months later, almost as if, I don't know, a contract had uh, expired. She loves a tortured genius, clearly. I know she's a hugely popular model, but I couldn't pick her out of a Victoria's Secret finale, honestly. I mostly know her because of my Star is Born standing from a couple years ago. For the last few weeks, if you follow Dubois, this has been like a long rumored thing that was going to go public. And it did. So for Kanye's 44th birthday, they were paparazzi in Provence together. Now they're saying that they've been dating for a few months. Actually, you know that shirt that Kanye did for DMX, like the memorial shirt that Kanye designed for DMX that was going to go to his family? Well, the Daily Mail figured out that she was papped in that shirt around March before it ever came out. Mm. Well, also, she's been like, she has a history of Kanye stuff, which is she was in the Power music video, not like the most prominently featured, but like amongst people in the video. She was in Yeezy fashion shows. She was name dropped in one of his songs, which I've never heard, but I, I know it's the. Lyric was all the models to the floor right now. I want to see Irina Shake next to Dotson. Dutson. How do you say her name? I've literally been avoiding figuring it out for like 10 years now. It's tough when you only see them as models, like see their faces, and then see their names written down in Vogue, and you never have to interface with saying them. This is what we're coming across in the podcast. Uh, you know, it's said to be that that Kim is happy. I don't know. I bet Kim's like kind of annoyed because it's like he could keep it under wraps more he could pull a like Jamie Foxx and Katie Holmes vibe if he wanted to but it seems like to have multiple paparazzi photos in one week seems like a little like a little planned yeah well also he unfollowed all of the Kardashians on Twitter this week which feels very aggressive because that's what they do when they hate someone they all unfollow them like at the you know collectively who do you think he unfollowed first it has to be Chris right which he called which he didn't he once call her on twitter chris jung-un there we go so i think he unfollowed chris first i think he probably unfollowed kim first and then was like fuck her entire crazy family is bradley cooper gonna start dating kendall jenner he's like i just gotta one-up this it, it always alarms me when someone only dates models like not you can't date models like obviously everyone should date models but like when you only date models like Leonardo DiCaprio it, it makes me think that you're pretty shallow I mean he did write a song called The Shallow <laughs> <laughs> it's true so a sad day for us the finale of the Kardashians has aired end of an era it's time to go from watching keeping up with the kardashians on hulu to just watching them on hulu it's not that big of a difference i actually didn't watch the finale i didn't have time to so i just watched i the, didn't uh, either did you just watch the catch up yeah the only way to watch this show is through the youtube catch up which is the three minutes of actual content 
that happens in the show. And the rest of the 42 minutes, minus the commercials, is all fucking filler or all people walking into scenes explaining what just happened from the previous scene. Yeah, are people literally saying the same thing like five times in a row? Like how many times like in these last episodes was like Courtney like, everyone says that I should get back together with Scott, but like they don't really know like where I'm at and you know, whatever. Um, yeah, watching the catch up taught me that nothing really did happen in this episode except for they did some sort of time capsule thing which they'd set up in the previous episode. They had, you know, Courtney and Scott had yet another heart to heart about their relationship that didn't culminate in anything. And Chris had a conversation with Kim about her marriage dissolving and she basically said, you know, I don't want a husband that lives in another state. But also in the previous episode, she had said like, she was like crying and she was like, Kanye deserves someone that'll like always travel with him and like move to Wyoming with him and like always be with him. Like, I think she's kind of inferring that he needs like a, um, like a Haley Bieber, like someone to just hang out in the studio and be like, wow, that's fire, babe. Or like, whatever. I think the most illuminating thing sometimes with the Kardashians is kind of the subtext of, of what they're saying, right? Which is basically seemingly Kim was content to just be right because she's like oh you know I have my kids and okay my husband's in another state and I can deal with that and then it's like she turned 40 and she's like wait I could be happy so I shouldn't be with him to be happy it's like yeah what (laughs) were you just gonna suffer in silence in your skims Well, she didn't want her third marriage to fail, which is like, that would be embarrassing, especially since every time she has a wedding, it's like very- But she joins a great club. She's with Jennifer Lopez and Angelina Jolie. They've both been married three times and it's failed. Yeah, totally. Like, who cares? Honestly, the three-timers club is where it's at. Well, or maybe she'll be like an Elizabeth Taylor, you know, and just like go for the full- Maybe she'll get back with Chris Humphreys again, then divorce him. I don't understand why more people don't go the Goldie Hawn, Kurt Russell route. Just be together. It's fine. That's because they're just like kind of like hippies. So like they would be fine with that lifestyle. Whereas your average Kardashian is all about what are the flowers that Jeff Lethem is going to do for my wedding? And like what gown is Olivier Roosting going to design for me at my wedding? And I also think they're in some dominant submissive relationship with the divorce lawyer, Laura Wasser. It's like a phantom thread thing. It's like, I need to feel that pain with Laura of, of getting divorced and having this drawn out for two years. I wonder if like when Kim gets her law degree, if she's going to like do any high profile divorces or if it's just going to be like you know criminal justice reform i i have a friend who's studying to be a a nurse but like specifically cosmetic nurse it's like can you do all our botox and she was like oh yeah is that what it's going to be like for kim it's like can you handle my divorce oh yeah no problem totally we'll do a little sunday divorce i can't wait for the architectural digest tour of like kim kardashian's law firm Ooh, that's going to be good. I guess the question is, where in the world is Kanye? Because I had assumed he was in Wyoming, which the people I feel the worst for are these employees who, you know, came from ateliers in Paris and design studios in New York who like moved to Calabasas. And that was already one thing. And then he was like, we're all moving to Wyoming. And he seemingly has like pieced out over the last six months and has been living between New York, where Irina is, and Los Angeles, where his kids and Kim are. Well, we'll see what happens. So much craziness with this family. But anyway, I have to go. I have a lunch. All right, guys. (laughs) It was so nice talking to you, Laura. And it's been like, it's been forever.
it has been forever and then i'm going out of town next week so next week's episode is going to go up either saturday or sunday guys because i'm not getting back till saturday and i edit all of this stuff so please bear with us we'll be back to regularly scheduled programming in a couple weeks but we promise to get you an episode each week all right bye guys bye bye